Chapter Twenty of The Lark by Inesbet. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. If there had been any hesitation in the mind of Jane and Lucilla as to whether the arrival of Gladys was to be regarded as a calamity or as a godsend, the question was soon settled. Gladys exhibited all the wonder and admiration which the girls had hoped from Mrs. Doveton, and even the most undiscerning of her encomiums served to endear to them both Gladys and Cedar Court. She followed Mrs. Beale in her slow progress through the rooms, and her cheery, "'Ain't ye done yet?' did at last exasperate Mrs. Beale to something almost approaching activity. Then she was initiated into the mysteries of the shop. "'It's always been me dream,' she said affably, "'to be a young lady in a shop. And flowers is so tony, ain't they?' she handled the flowers lightly and carefully and conversed with customers in a way which set lucilla and jane trembling for the welfare of the business but most of the customers seemed to enjoy gladys's conversation and to the few who did not gladys smiled that wonderful wide smile of hers that made you think of collie dogs and they forgave her then she went off on her afternoon out and came back full of information you give too much for the money, Miss Jane, she said. I've been looking at the shops and prizing the flowers. If they didn't like me asking and then not buying, they can lump it. I don't know what else they expect with them prices and the flowers not half so fresh as what yours are. Them big white lily flowers you're give away in the sixpenny mixed bunches, they're charging thrippence the piece for and putting them in funeral wreaths with maidenhair ferns and big pinks something beautiful why don't you sell wreaths for funerals miss now that's a thing i really could enjoy making up them funeral wreaths i could easy learn how there was a young man at it in one of the shops i could see by the way he looked at me with one eye he'd be only too pleased to show me how if i was to encourage him now gladys said jane firmly you really must not begin encouraging young men and she explained carefully how important it is for business girls to think only of business and not of young men and how courting and love's young dream should be left till later on gladys listened kindly smoothing out the many-coloured feather flowers of her best hat and when jane had quite ended the little sermon she said yes miss but your art's your art ain't it and there's so much competition too if you let your chances go when you're young you may find yourself an old maid all of a sudden and wish you'd acted different now what i say is you should always have two or three of them anxious for you to say yes and go on not saying it and being taken to fairs and the pictures and chalks and cigs and something to look forward to on your evening out and if you find any time that you're getting old why then there is always someone ready for you to say yes to and you can try how you like being a married lady well said jane all i insist on is that you don't bring them here not me you may rely gladys assured her earnestly why they'd get talking together keep em well apart's my rule jane was not sorry to get away from the subject she felt that in her life too there were two young men who were best apart and she perceived that gladys might not unreasonably defend herself by a tu quoque but gladys's tact though all her own 
still was tact. She knew to a hair what you might and might not say to your mistress. Gladys approved highly of Mr. Dix. He's a goer. You've got a fair treasure in him, Miss Lucy, she said, as she was taking over the shop, for now she served there every afternoon, the two girls taking charge in the mornings. Mr. Dix had just brought in a sheaf of white iris and Canterbury bell and scarlet geum, and also a list of trivialities, bast, labels, wire, quasia, soft soap, to be ordered at the stores. His feet don't stick to the ground like that Mrs. Veal's. Veal by name and veal by nature. And beautiful manners. Took off his hat to me in the street, he did really. And always gets up when I come along, when he's sitting down, as respectful as though I was a duchess. Ah, that'd be the gentleman for me, if I was a lady. No doubt some lady will think so in good time, said Lucilla. Let's hope she won't think so too late, said Gladys darkly. A gentleman like that is just the one to get snapped up by some designing hussy. One of them vampire women you see on the films, or a woman with five other husbands like that Mrs. Doria de Vere, as she calls herself, in the paper last Sunday. It was Gladys who secured the two maids, experienced, expensive, and so competent that they seemed scarcely human. She sniffed at labor exchanges, bought the morning post on the advice of Mr. Dix, and made a journey to a registry office in Baker Street. There's plenty of servants if you know how to entrap them, she explained. I did it telling them what nice young innocence you two was, not knowing a thing about housekeeping so they'd have it all their own way. But a cook I couldn't get. I see plenty, but they wants their weight in gold afore they'll come, and a tidy weight it'd be with some of em. Why not advertise for cook-housekeeper? Suit widow, one child not objected to. That'll fetch someone, and the little gal'll be handy to run errands and feed the rabbit. You ought to get some more rabbits. One rabbit don't pay. But suppose it's a little boy, suggested Jane. It won't be a boy, said Gladys. If their letters says boy, don't you answer them. That's easy. It was this suggestion which led to the advent of Mrs. Dad. Adela Dad was her full and incredible name, a thin, pale person with admirable testimonials from the superior clergy. She had been housekeeper to a rector and, before her marriage, nursery governess to a dean. Her daughter was seven, a lumpish child with an open mouth, an unconquerable stickiness of hands and face, and stockings that were always wrinkled. Mrs. Dad simpered, she bridled, and she languished. She called her employers by their names every time she spoke to them so as to make it quite plain that she did not belong to the class which says miss or ma'am neither mrs nor miss dad really pleased anyone but time was getting on the house was ready the servants were there eating their heads off and it was high time that the paying guests should begin to pay mrs dad left much to be desired but she was better than the bouncing lady with the almost grown-up daughter who had lived in the best families in garrison towns and wore more jewelry in the morning than most ladies would care to wear at night she was also more possible than the trembling old lady of seventy who owned to forty-eight 
and had dyed her poor white hair and powdered her wrinkled old cheeks and put on a necklace of big pearl beads all in an effort to find work that she could not do and wages that she could not earn it makes your blood run cold said jane poor old thing and she ought to be in the best armchair with a dozen children always running to granny that's what i like about the chinese they do look after old people but we couldn't have taken her now could we loose bless your heart no miss said gladys who was present and i dare say if the truth was known she's only had a tiff with her son's wife that she lives with and started out to get a situation just to show her independence let's hope so anyhow said jane what do you think of mrs dad gladys adela dad what a name i think she'll be an adler if you ask me said gladys adla by name and adler by nature i lay she'll try to do all her work with the tips of her fingers but you can but try so they tried mrs dad was not a good cook but the food she prepared was not uneatable a design of getting mrs doveton to give her a few lessons in cookery was negatived by both with unexpected firmness i couldn't take it on me miss said mrs doveton i'm not a child to be taught things said mrs dad i've lived in the best families where six was kept besides a buttons no thank you miss quested there's enough of the boiled mutton to do cold for to-day it'll save cooking miss quested and the suet pudding warmed up with a nice potato and there's your dinner and there as she said their dinner was a carefully worded advertisement setting forth the advantages of residence at cedar court was inserted in three papers and in a sort of ordered hush cedar court awaited applicants there was a certain restfulness only the shop in the morning in the afternoon leisure then tea and tennis gladys seemed to have come as a liberator the shop no longer claimed the whole day and tennis is a very agreeable game if only we could go on like this said jane how nice it is to have servants and everything going by clockwork at least adler dad certainly doesn't but stanley and forbes do i almost wish we hadn't advertised for the pigs perhaps you'll like to go through the accounts said lucilla threateningly but they went down to the tennis court instead mr rochester was able to play tennis almost every evening and mr dix of course was always glad of a game after working hours what a life said gladys when they came in not but what i dare say it's good for your inside all that hopping about and mr dix he deserves a bit of fun working as he does but that mr rochester ain't he got nothing to do has he got an independent tincom ain't he got no trade he's an engineer i believe jane told her then why doesn't he engineer? no you mark my words he's got a reason of his own for hanging about here are you sure he ain't a detective there wouldn't be anything for him to detect here said lucilla i'm not so sure there's people with pasts where's adler's husband dead said lucilla so she says said gladys and jane had to say that'll do very firmly and end the conversation
you know how elastic time is and how some days seem to have no time in them at all and other days seem as though there was time in them for everything these days were full of time time to go from room to room touching up the flowers changing the position of a chair or a table followed by little addie dad always flagrantly sticky but faithfully keeping her promise not to touch the girls tried very hard to like poor little addie who plainly adored them but you cannot really love a child unless you can embrace it and addie was always much too sticky for that except just after her bath and then of course mrs dad was always there to say thank miss quested and miss cray addie for being so kind and then of course addie said thank you and nothing more could be said on either side they had to get rid of the child before settling to their sewing of which they did an incredible amount aunt lucy's old sprigged muslins and striped barrages made the most delicious frocks and jumpers and jane had a sage-green soft satin gown for evening with little pink and white rosebuds embroidered all over it by hand too none of your machine-made stuff and lucilla had a mignonette coloured shot silk with a short waist and wonderful gathered trimming when we get enough pgs together we'll have a dance said jane rather said lucilla and their imagination peopled the big silent rooms of cedar court with a little crowd of strangers all young all good-looking and good-tempered all ready to please and be pleased it was a radiant prospect and kept them well amused then the answers to the advertisement began to arrive and the days become darkened with correspondence there are no letters so dull as the letters in which you demand or supply what are called references out of the cloud of ink three human figures presently emerged clothed with testimonials almost as glowing as mrs dad's an officer's widow and her unmarried sisters the terms were satisfactory the date of the arrival was fixed the rooms were got ready towels and soap and fresh flowers and pincushions with real pins in them said jane the p g who can't be happy here doesn't deserve to be happy anywhere perhaps they aren't said lucilla i only hope the dinner will be all right the tinned mock turtle and tinned peas and tinned asparagus and tinned peaches that only leaves the mutton for mrs dad to cook and potatoes oh if only we had mrs doveton here perhaps mrs smale won't mind what she eats officers widows following the regiment all over the world must get used to having odd sorts of meals after puppy-dog pie and bird's nest soup i dare say even mrs dad's cooking would seem all right perhaps said jane but without conviction was that the gate oh what have i done what she had done was to knock a vase of pinks off a table and flood the hearth-rug lucilla flew to the bell and they heard it clanging through the house but they heard nothing else no coming of footsteps they rang again and then jane sped down to the kitchen mrs dad was snatching a moment's rest with her feet on a chair she often snatched moments rest little addie was trying to feed the cat with a jammy spoon why doesn't someone answer the bell 
forbes has gone to post with a letter miss quested said mrs dadd in leisurely explanation while jane almost danced with impatience it's stanley's day out and gladys is always in the shop i understand of an afternoon well said jane i think you might have come i couldn't undertake to answer bells miss quested said mrs dadd that's the servant's place but good gracious me when there's no one else we might have been on fire or being murdered oh no said mrs dadd not that i think miss quested well i've upset a lot of water and i want you to come at once and mop it up bring a pail please and a cloth and do be quick it's soaking into the rug and the carpet please make haste mrs dadd but mrs dadd was shaking her head slowly and calmly oh no miss quested she said i couldn't do that i couldn't undertake to do anything menial but there's nothing menial about mopping up some water i'd do it myself people feel differently about things i know mrs dadd conceded but who cleans the kitchen floor asked jane i don't know miss quested was the unforgettable reply addy come here and leave the cat alone do you mean said jane incredulously that you aren't going to mop up that water you'll excuse me miss quested i'm sure i've come down in the world but not so low as that she simpered oh no jane completely and suddenly lost her temper you refuse to do it i'm afraid i must say yes to that said mrs dadd with a sort of defiant archness then you'd better go go now said jane certainly said mrs dadd with some alacrity i should like my month's money miss quested and i'll leave at once come addy darling and help mummy to pack where's the pail jane asked in the back kitchen i believe come addy jane got the pail and the floorcloth and carrying them reached the hall just as the front door bell rang she then perceived that if she did not open the door no one would besides it might be forbes so she opened it the doorstep was occupied by three large ladies the captain's widow and her sisters had chosen this fortunate moment for their debut at cedar court End of chapter twenty